dove into a series last week titled Roots, and uh, we really talked about who God's calling us to be as individuals. We're going to hold fast to our faith. We're going to stand firm in who we are, right? We're going to hold to those convictions, our profession of faith, our trust in Jesus. We, as a body of believers, are called to stand together, and that is to be together, unified, a community, a community of faith. And then the last thing was to keep focused. And though, so there's scriptures there. It's Hebrews 11, 23, uh, Philippians 1, 27, and then uh, Philippians 4, 8. And as we keep focused, this is really important. And really what kind of slowed me down this week was to keep our integrity, to keep our belief, and to keep our values not conforming to the patterns of this world. And so God prodded me to slow down this week, like I said, and so uh, really settling into the new year. And so for me, settling in as your pastor, right? I get to be your pastor. I'm here until the Lord returns. And, but really for us as a people and to set a good pace for this year, because what happens is it's, you guys have heard this before, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? And so as a body, it's great to be excited about all that we have to do and, and all the things that are happening. But the reality is, is God has created us to be. God's created us to be. I was in um, Genesis 1:26, and this is what popped out of the page. I'll touch base on this scripture. Again, it's not even going to be on your screen today. But as I was um, looking at, at uh, Genesis 1:26. I, I see very plainly God created us to be, and that's where God pumped the brakes on this week's message for me. And the emphasis on our lives is in who we are, not in what we do, but I think that we all have something that we've identified in 22, like, this is what I'm doing this year, right? And so then we are human beings, not human doings. The struggle is religion tries to get us to do. Okay, how many hours are you doing? How much have you, you know, it's, it's all of that. And it, and it creates kind of this rat race where it's like, well, I have to choose to do, do this or do this. And more times than not, religion can sometimes feel like work, right? And so religion tries to get us to do, but relationship calls us to be. It calls us to be followers. causes us to be devoted. It causes us to be in relationship. It causes us to be disciples. All, all who we are none of which we do. And so the world wants to see how much we can do, but they care nothing about getting to know who you are, right? And when somebody shows up, and, and I've been in Detroit for the last four years, so I, this is real stuff. When somebody actually cares about you and wants to get to know who you are, that's like a red flag to a lot of people these days. Like, wait a second, you actually don't want to see what I can do or, or how good I can look or the front that I have. You actually care about me? No. Nah. And so then for us to be the example of this, the models of this in our community is huge, right? And so then the world doesn't want to get to know who you are, but the reality is when we identify who we are with what we do, we're approaching our life strictly from a physical standpoint. It's what we can do with ourselves, with our bodies. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Through and through, this means your whole body your entire being, who you've been called to be. The last half of that verse is, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we look right over that. What I want you to see is may your whole spirit, soul, and body, if you're highlighting your Bible, you can do that. I think God likes a messy Bible, by the way. Whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming. You see there that we're three parts whole, that it's not just about being a physical body, but we have a spirit and we have a soul. And so then the world wants to know how busy you can be, but God created you just to be. And so 
the reality in all of it is if we'll be who God created us to be, then we'll do what he created us to do. But so many times we put the cart before the horse and we have to stop doing that. Well, if I just do this, then that'll create an identity for me. And God says, I've already given you an identity. Just be that person and, and everything else will take care of itself, right? So the best example we see of this is in the story of Mary and Martha. Like I mentioned, it's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And uh, I'm going to read this whole passage. And this is where we're parking today. So if you're online, just mark it down, right? Here we go. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha, by the way, if you've heard this story before, can I see your hand? All right. Now, I want you to pretend that you've never heard it before. And that's so hard because as human beings, we go, ah, man, I can't believe I came today. I know this story and trust, just trust in the word of God. Don't trust me. Trust in the word of God. So let's pretend we've not heard this before. As Jesus and the disciples continue on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Who welcomed them in? Martha did. Remember that. Okay. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. But Martha, it's my favorite. I'm in the living Bible, by the way. This is me to a T. But Martha was the jittery type. Hello. And was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, dear friend. In some versions, it's, he says Martha twice as to get her attention. Martha, hey. Martha, right? You're so upset over these details. There's only really one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and so it won't be taken away from her. That's my challenge to you today, that we would see like Mary today, okay? So then in verse 40, you see that Martha just needed to relax a little bit. Jesus says, hey, hey, take it easy. And what she's saying is, Lord, don't you care that my sister who's concerned Who's, who is concerned as well as I in having things done well, left me to serve alone. Don't you see this? So dismiss her. Dismiss her and tell her to come and help me. And Martha's complaint made it easy. You're going to be able to find and identify somebody like Martha in your life if you can't identify yourself. Martha's complaint made it easy to see that she was distracted, that she couldn't see the real reason, right? That, that what she thought was most important was really just a minor detail to the time. And she talks like she's upset with her sister. Otherwise, she wouldn't have asked Jesus to help, right? So then she comes to the guy that she, she just invited them into her home, right? And she comes and she says, couldn't, couldn't you just have her help me? Well, who created the work? Martha, right? And for me, this, in 2013, this was me. I was creating a bunch of my own work, a bunch of my own checklist. And what we need to see is, and this is what, I learned this, what God revealed to me is excess concern and pursuit of performance or accomplishment is often the reason for disturbances and for strife and contention in our relationships, in the rhythms of our life. It's our excess concern and pursuit of excellence or performance or accomplishment. Well, I have all of this to do. Can't you just be patient while I do this? These are minor details. There's a person, there's a person tied to this, Right. Also, those who are eager to chase completion, accomplishment, and focus on personal performance are normally the ones to blame and criticize those who aren't chasing the same thing. And so because you don't value the doing and the busy and the just, you become an anchor to them, right? 
And they can't justify your actions because you're not on board with their actions. And what they see is, is, is you've neglected the opportunity to be busy like they have, right? And that's what Martha's saying. She's neglecting the opportunity to come and be busy with me and miss everything that you're saying. All that you're teaching, you're the greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth. She should miss that to come and do dishes, right? And so, by the way, this was me. So the problem is Martha had created the value of doing. Martha loved being busy. And, and if or when you can't do like these people, all of a sudden they're against you. You have to know that Mary and Martha were best friends, but in this moment they weren't. Why? Because Mary chose opposite. But I thought we were together. Aren't we together? Well, wait a second. Jesus is here. So then that's dumb. Jesus is here. No, come help me. Martha can't see, right? Are you guys with me? And so then Martha, Martha, who's angered her sister, she appeals to Jesus, and she assumes that Jesus is going to take her side, right? Well, you know, you do have a point. This is your house, and you're making dinner, so you should probably, right? But it seems that Jesus really expresses himself to her very tenderly. He's concerned, but he's a guest in her home too, right? And she expected that he would tell her sister to come to work. And here's the thing. When Martha was busy, and this is the same case for me, and it's likely the same for you. When we're busy, we have to have everybody else know that we're busy. So Martha had to know, and she had to have Mary and Jesus and everyone else care just as much as her about the things that she had created to do. And because they didn't, she was unhappy. She was unhappy. I'm telling you this to help you approach your new year. This is what God has for you today. And so do you know anybody like that? If you can't keep up, right? Right? Like, that is it. Like, if you don't get to, you don't understand how important this is, I have to do all of this, why are you not helping me? Right? Meanwhile, there are relationships that are falling by the wayside while we continue to just charge ahead and do what we think we need to do. And the reality is if we keep running at that pace, if we run at that pace in 2022, at the end of the year, the people who are close to us are not going to be as close. They're going to be a little bit farther away. And is that what Jesus would do? That's not how Jesus is, right? And so then, and Jesus is telling Martha, hey, so if you're taking those notes, here's the reality. Those who, not, who are not always in the right are the quickest to appeal to God. They always are. So then we must take heed to ourselves. It's Acts 20, 28, if you're taking notes. Take heed to yourself and then to the flock. Where are you? Settle into your year. Because this, if we don't take heed to ourselves, we must do that because if not, we can expect at some point Jesus is not going to support our unjust busyness. Take heed to yourself so that so that you don't have to have Jesus come into and support your unjust business because he won't. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. The cares that, which, that, that Jesus gives to you, you can cheerfully get back onto him. Everything that Jesus gives to you, you can cheerfully give back to him. Everything, everything, but not those which you foolishly draw upon yourself. And that's what Martha was doing. 
Jesus is always going to be the patron of the poor and of the injured and of those who seek him. He's always going to be that. But he will not be the patron of the unstable, of the ignorant, or of the hurtful. He can't. So Martha appealed to Jesus, and he gives judgment against her. He says, Martha, dear friend. Martha, dear friend. And he corrected her. And though he was a guest, the reality was her fault was she was doing too much to entertain him. And she expected that he would justify her in it. Yet he publicly checked her, and he realized this is an opportunity for Martha to see what's really important here. And he uses her sister as an example. And here's the thing. As many as Jesus loves, he also humbles and rebukes. We don't like to see that side of it, but that's the truth. If you will seek after God, he's going to give you and put you directly where you need to be. And so then, even those that are dear to him, if anything is off in anyone, he's going to help correct you. He's going to make sure you get it corrected. And so Martha had the ultimate opportunity in front of her, right? So when he corrected her, he called her by name. This is important. And he speaks earnestly. When you get called by name, you know there's some intention behind it. You know there's some heart to it. And he speaks earnestly, and he's deeply concerned for her well-being. And the reality is this, because people who are entangled and busy, people who are entangled in the cares of the world, of life, of doing, they are not easily disentangled. So he says, Martha, Martha. It's the same thing that God said to me in 2013. Dusty, hey, Dusty, stop. Guys, I had a whiteboard that I just had lists and lists of stuff on, and I just loved accomplishing things. My focus was on the wrong thing. It's a process to get out of. Here's how that looked for me. Heather was home. Heather has amazing perspective, by the way. My wife and kids are watching today. And so Heather has amazing perspective. I would come home from work after busting it, right? And working longer than I was supposed to and being late for dinner and all the things that just terrible husbands do. And um, it's kind of a joke, but it's serious. And so in that, um, I would come home and I would walk in and there would really only be one thing out of place. But with me, if one thing's out of place, the whole thing's a disaster. I don't know how else to look at it. Okay. And I'd be like, man, why is the house a mess? The house was not a mess. She's amazing. What happened? Her focus was on our kids. Her focus was in the right place. She was with who was the most important. What could I see? I'd just been doing all day long. So I came home and the first thing I could see is what? What needs to be done? What needs to be done? My perspective was off. It was a process for me to get out of that because it took me a long time to get into it and my past lent me to just run that fast too. And so then we all have to accept there, there, there is change that needs to be made in each of us on some level depending on where we walk, right? And so accepting there needs to be change, that's just huge. Jesus noticed that Martha was troubled about many things. He said, you're troubled about many things. He wasn't pleased that she thought she had to please him or to entertain him or that she was pushing herself to accomplish so much more, to accomplish really more than she had the capacity to, to accomplish. So Jesus corrects her for two things, both the intenseness of her care and the extensiveness of it, which led her to be disappointed in herself. Ever been there? <laughs> okay. And so the reality is we're all troubled, we're divided, and we're disturbed by our cares, by the things that we put on ourselves, right? And that leads to our disappointments. And 
where God said, give me those cares, what he's saying is, especially busy. Give me your cares, especially busy. Especially busy. Here's the thing. Who told Martha to get so busy? We identified this. Martha. Martha. She did. She created an expectation that she couldn't fulfill, and naturally she didn't have enough to give to it, so then she was frustrated. Your expectations always lead to your greatest frustrations. That's it. The things that I expect that don't come to pass are the things that frustrate me the most. So then, our expectations lead to our greatest frustrations. Does that mean lower your expectations? No, that means be realistic. Be realistic and use a little bit of faith. And so then Martha expected Jesus to blame Mary not for doing as she did, but he blamed her for not doing as Mary did. He flipped the script on her. And the judgment of Jesus is always going to be according to truth. The judgment of Jesus, not a bad thing. You're all holy. We just took communion together, so we're all good, okay? No judgment. The day finally came that somebody got Martha's attention, just as the same for me. And she realized that she needed to be sitting on the floor next to Mary instead of being up and being busy. And so then my hope is in week two of the new year that we would take the time to posture ourselves like Mary. We didn't talk a lot about her today. There's not much to say. It's pretty simple. She chose the right thing, right? And verse 42 says, Mary discovered what mattered most. And because she did, Jesus said it would never it would never be taken away from her. And what matters most is your relationship with Jesus. That's what matters most. And you see in the story, one's really close and one's, one's far off, right? And it's that time with him that really fuels your day. It's the, it's the time that fuels who you are. Your time with Jesus fuels who you are, not what you do. And so many times in Scripture, we see Jesus go away, and he goes away to pray. He goes away to get quiet. He goes away to do what? To connect with the Father. And you have to know that those times he was going away and connecting with the Father, he was really getting strength to walk through the day, to walk with people like us, right? And his quiet times were a source of strength. And that's what Jesus is telling Martha and it's also what he explains to us in John 15. I've referenced this a few times. I want to dig into it today because, because God said so. So it says this. If you're taking notes, we're just going to be John 15, 1 through 8, and we're going to wrap this thing up. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. Thank you. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. What I want you to see in that is, one, apart from God, we do nothing. But two, you produce fruit because you're a disciple, because you follow Jesus. To follow Jesus, you have to remain in connection with him. The more often that we, stay, that we are connected with him, 
the more healthy our spirit is, the more we can run physically. And the emotional health is another, is another uh, sermon. So 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this. Here's the thing. We all need to be connected to God right now. If you know that's true, will you raise your hand? We all need to be connected to God right now. What a crazy, crazy time. But we don't need to be connected to God right now from doing. So God's not looking and going, how much did you produce this week? That's not good enough. Only, only two coughs for you today. Okay? He's not looking at it like that. God's not looking and grading us on how fast we can go, how much we can do. He's not looking at any of those things. He's looking at the quality of your fruit. He's looking at the quality of what you're producing and what the source of it is. Is the source of it coming from our physical doing or from who we are? Is it from our heart or is it from our feet? In 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not look at things like people do. People look at the outward appearance. Man, Instagram loves to see how good you are. Facebook loves to see how good you are. Jesus doesn't look at that. It says the Lord looks at your heart. The amplified version of this is the best. As he looks at your intentions. He looks at your heart. God only wants your heart. I think it's easy to see in the story of Mary and Martha whose heart Jesus had. Right? Jesus had Mary's heart from the start. He had to convince Martha, hey, come, come on, girl. And so then if we're going to hold fast, as individuals and stand together as a body, God must have our hearts because we're going to walk through this and do this together. But we all have to be connected and we all have to understand that it's who we are. When we walk in and be who God called us to be, we will do what he has called us to do. And it won't be about, well, I'm doing, well, I think we need to do all of these different things. No, we don't need to do any of that. We need to be followers of Jesus and we need to walk in love. And if we'll do that, will produce great fruit, right? And God's going to build his kingdom. And we'll see that happen here as it will be in heaven.